Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'm people to make friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to teach you how this works. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. We have got two markets, the sane and the silly. House of pleasure. The sane's an industrial market. The silly, Silicon Valley. Every day we see this radical divergence between rational old line companies and the new line sleight of hand that characterizes so much tech. It, it plays out against a backdrop of what Fed Chief Jay Powell wants because, well, the Fed's still the most important determinant of the action right now. Jay Powell gave an interview where he seemed congenial, laid back even, talked about the guitar and, of course, potential rate hikes. So the averages were. Then he acknowledged that interest rates would need to stay high for longer with no rate cuts in sight. Then the averages plummeted. Then they bounced back. Bounced back from the lows. Perhaps because Powell really didn't say anything new at all. And ultimately, the Dow finished up 260 points. S&P gained 1.29%. And the Nasdaq pulled 1.90%. Unlike the Marriott Bears, who rule Wall Street, I think the temporary sell-off was nuts. It's insane that so many people seem to believe the Fed will go from slamming the brakes in the economy to hitting the gas within a matter of months. Yet that's the majority view, at least as reflected by the bond market, which is predicting a recession and a series of rate cuts. Maybe as soon as later this year, I am calling it the bong market. Not the bond market, because it seems to be powered more by cannabis, not dollars. I'm sticking with my view that we are in a bull market now. So when the averages get slammed, as they did after Powell said something extremely obvious, as I told club members in our new home stretch program, it is a, yes, indeed, buying opportunity. Sure enough, we bounce back in part because more and more people believe in the bull. But let's get to the insane dichotomy between tech and the industrials that plays out every day. For over a year now, what have I told you? I have said you need to buy the stocks of companies that make things and do stuff at a profit, provided they return those profits to shareholders via dividends or buybacks and have reasonably priced stocks. That's what I've said. It's been right. 
I'm sticking with it. And that's exactly what DuPont, the old diversified specialty chemical company, gave you today. DuPont made a lot of money on an operating basis, rolled out a $3.25 billion accelerated buyback program, retired $2.5 billion of long-term debt, all while generating 8% organic revenue growth. What could you ask for more? Oh, I'll tell you what, how about a 9% dividend boost for good measure? And that's why that stock jumped 7%. Easy. DuPont's led by Ed Breen. He's a seasoned CEO. You know what he is? A grown-up who knows what shareholders really want. He understands how to run a company. He's got a long track record of selling off slow-growth divisions, using the proceeds to reward shareholders and buy higher-growth entities. Yet DuPont still trades at around 20 times earnings. That's what makes it a true bargain. But that's the industrial economy. Now let's switch uh, let's say foci, and, you know, because what I'm going to leave are the companies that make a lot of money, throw it at shareholders and give you a reason for shock, and go into Alice in Wonderland. That's the tech world. A couple of ways tech stocks go higher. First, by learning how to lay off huge chunks of your workforce. <laughs> Zoom video, once the bell of the COVID ball, run by a truly good guy, Eric Yuan. His stock has been going absolutely nowhere. Well, it did fall from 588 and change the peak down in the 70s. Today, Yuan announced that he's laying off 15% of the workforce in a blog post, no less. And Zoom stock, well, what did it do? Well, true to tech trades, it went up 10%. That's tech valuation creation to a T. And Eric, man, I don't mean to offend you, but that's what happened, okay? Now I want you to consider the industrial stock of Lindy. It's a gas company, industrial gas. You can't see it. It's a phenomenal industrial. This morning, they reported an excellent quarter, 20% earnings growth, not the measly growth we were getting from so many tech companies or the profitless high-growth stocks that I despise. Lindy boosts its dividend every year, and it's doing a monster buyback, although it's paused for the moment. But I think it's going to start up again very soon, and the stock will go up even more. You want to get in ahead of it. The CEO, Sanjeev Lamba, told an amazing story about all sorts of gases that are integral to the new economy. You need them to make high-end semiconductors, operate hydrogen fuel cells, create blue ammonia, which is needed for fertilizers. Lindy's growth is consistent. It's been doubted and doubted, including this morning when the stock book gate was going to open down four. But then when management explained how the quarter unfolded at the conference call, the stock pirouetted and proceeded to finish the day up 14. What a reversal. More on this one later. In the tech world, oh, no. All you got to do is say, we're doing AI, something artificial intelligence, your stock flies. Now, admittedly, it is a big deal when Microsoft's rolling it out. They're a real company. They have grown-ups. They're using AI to gin up a better search engine, something more powerful than the also-ran Bing. You want to take a vacation in Mexico? You talk to it. The soup up Bing will book you a five-day trip. Give you an itinerary. Not bad. Sounds cool. Bing is still an unpopular search engine, though. Google's way ahead, and Microsoft's such a gigantic company, I don't know if it would actually move the needle. I know it's a serious initiative, though, but I don't know if it's enough to justify the stock's 4.2% run today. Although I'm pretty happy because the trust owns it, we got crushed when we learned that their cloud business, Azure, was slowing. Now the stock's much higher than it was before the quarterly conference call. You have to hold on to the good ones. Google's got barred. I mean, it's like, I guess, like Shakespeare, huh? A competitor to ChatGPT, the AI platform from OpenAI, which Microsoft's investing. Now, Bard's trying to figure out how they can get your cell phone to answer questions without ruining their local ads that won't be blocked. It be, it, because you, they're not going to be looked at because you don't need to look at anything when you're giving it voice commands. No matter what, though, Google can't allow itself to fall behind Microsoft or lose its lead in search. Search is so lucrative. So you end up with an AI arms race. 
That's the legitimate side of the story. Right now, the market's rewarding anything with an AI connection, at least for a couple of days, no matter how tenuous. We got companies like C3AI, which trades in the symbol AI. And the stock's been roaring purely because people are talking about AI. Today, the stock plunged 11%. Because C3AI is an actual business, not just a concept. And business isn't really good. These guys have sales, but in terms of earnings, losing fortunes doesn't fit my profile. Let's remember, there are lots of pretenders out there. There's SoundHound AI, which has suddenly become a real AI blue chip, making sure it's part of the chat GPT conversation. Everyone wanted in on this one until the stock tumbled 10%. My view, if you want to play AI, let's not fool around. Let's buy the real AI company. That's NVIDIA. Because all these artificial intelligence technologies you hear about are powered by their chips. Unlike the pretenders, NVIDIA actually makes money. How refreshing! Uh, and perhaps could make billions of dollars off their AI platform. And you need a huge number of these chips to make a chat AI, with some analysts saying this could be a $5 billion opportunity minimum. NVIDIA is the way to play it. I once named my late dog NVIDIA. Let me put it this way. Anybody can claim the AI mantle, but other than NVIDIA, Microsoft, and maybe Google, I'm skeptical of everyone else. Still, what matters here is that you understand the difference between hype and hope versus cold, hard reality. I like the industrials like DuPont or Liddy because they're all about reality. I'm skeptical of stocks that rally because they're firing people or cutting expenses. That's not what I'm looking for. Sure, there's been one rare case, meta platforms, the old Facebook, where they announced huge cost cuts. Then the stock gave you a phenomenal run because they delivered a magnificent quarter. But that's because Meta is now behaving more like the old line industrials. You know, Meta came down enough to become a value stock. It was like a four time, 14 times earnings. And now that Instagram's reignited and Reels might be profitable soon, it's become a nice growth story. Plus, Mark Zuckerberg announced a massive buyback. If any other tech company wants to give you a $40 billion buyback, I might give you a seal of approval, too. Bottom line, in this environment, I just want you to have a real earnings cushion with real buybacks and real dividends. I do with both, and I can't feel comfortable recommending anything without them. You can't cut your way to better sales, for heaven's sake, even if you try. How about Kevin in Pennsylvania? Kevin! Hey, Jim, go Eagles! Go Birds! Hey, of these two stocks I'm going to mention to you, which one is the better buy right now, Datadog or T-Mobile? Well, let's see. T-Mobile, Moffitt Nason says it's slowing down. Datadog had a bunch of da- downgrades last, last week. But T-Mobile makes a lot of money, and da- Datadog doesn't make money. T-Mobile! Okay, let's go to Allen in New Jersey. Allen! Hey, oh, Mr. Kramer. I'm in America here. What's going on, my friend? Hey, I had to ask you about transportation on, you know, planes, boats, trains, uh, anything that goes. And I I had a question for you. What is your take on Alpha Alpha Lima? That's American Airlines. What do you think it might do? Well, I like AA. I like AA. I had a nice flight the other day on, as a matter of fact. It's good. Uh, I like it. I like Delta, too. I think that group is hot. P- people are going, uh, the people are traveling like darn fool heads off their regular going on planes. and. Dra- I like the airlines because there's just no end to travel. I listened to Hertz call today. That's what they told me. How about Karen in Florida? Karen! Jim! Hey, I'm in Jacksonville, and I want to tell you before we, I ask my question, I thought you did great at Miami University. I watched that show. That was good. Well, I'm going to tell you something. My wife passed Jacksonville about 25 minutes ago. She's on her way to Florida. And you know what? We can't wait to go back to the U. What a school. What's happening? (laughs) That's awesome. Okay, my question. I'm wondering how you feel about this. I'm wondering how you feel about United 
Health Group, UNH. I UNH, look, it's out of favor right now. It had a great quarter. I really, I like Humana more. It goes down every day, but you can't, they all can't go up at once. But I know that Humana and UNH both had good quarters. And that's what matters to me because I'm playing a long game, not the short game. All right, in this environment, I just want you to have a real earnings cushion with real buybacks or real dividends, ideally both. And I can't feel comfortable recommending anything without them unless the multiple is so low on earnings. Oh, man, I'm going to tell you, despite reporting a mixed quarter, Lindy's stock jumped higher. So what had Wall Street interested in this big industrial that I went through in about 10 seconds in the first talk? Block, that's okay. That's what I do. I'm discussing with the CEO. Then it was a tale of two video game makers, Activision Blizzard versus Take-Two. I'm running through reports of the two companies revealing the player that I think is headed in the right direction. And then Chipotle, how about this one? The reporter earnings after the bell. Everyone hates it. I don't know. I kind of like it. Let's see what they dished out. Talk to the CEO. I think you should stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. If, like me, you believe J-PAL is going to steer us into a soft landing, we well, want to stick with the highest quality industrials. Companies like Lindy, L-I-N-D-E, that's the number one industrial gas play. We like it so much, we own it pretty big. 
have to bid for the Chapel Trust. This morning, Lindy reported a seemingly mixed quarter, a slight revenue miss coupled with 26 cent earnings beat off of $2.90 basis. More important, management gave you a terrific forecast. What a conference call for both the current quarter and the full year, which is why the stock jumped over 4%. And some people sold it at 217 today. Like, 317, it was like crazy. People were just giving up. Can it keep climbing? Let's check in with Sanjeev Lumba. He's the CEO of Lindy to get a better sense of the quarter. Mr. Lumba, welcome to Mad Buddy. Hey, Jen. Great to be here. Well, you have to be astonished that people still think that on a given quarter, they should sell your stock. When you are a secular grower, that does not go up and down like so many cyclicals. Jim, we are hugely resilient. You know our business. We are all pervasive, I would say. Every industrial activity, we have a small contribution to make to that. And obviously, you know, we serve right from chemicals, refineries, steel making, semiconductors, which you've talked about previously, uh, frozen pizzas to a nice uh, draft beer that you might get. Yes. I mean, when I look at all the different markets you're in, you have the greatest mosaic of any company. Plus, I think that if there were, you're so instrumental that if there was a raw cost that spiked, you'd be able to reclaim that from your customers. Absolutely. So, Jim, you know, we, we say with some pride that pricing discipline is something that's built into right. our DNA. Pricing discipline is all about, and we've done it for 30 years. It's not new. Right. It's a muscle we flex often. Contractually, we manage right. solid contracts that ensure that cost inflation is passed on to our customers consistently. In addition to that, obviously, productivity is very important for us. We manage our cost base right. to the extent we can. That's where margin expansion comes from. And we are all about margin expansion. We finished a quarter and a year with record ROC, record operating margins, right. and I feel really good about nine quarters of you know, EPS oh, growth. That's been sensational. Now, a lot of our viewers at home will say, well, why do you like these guys so much beside that? Because, you know, people care more about than just the numbers. And sure. I would say, because if you want to decarbonize the world, you guys are so instrumental. This OCI contract you got is gigantic. And I bet you if you walk our viewers through it, they'll realize that if there's hope for, for defeating carbon, it lies with you. Jim, I absolutely agree with you, and I have to say that I'm excited about the OCI contract. Now, I just want to make the point that decarbonization is a big agenda, right? And we have a contribution to make, and we have the technology, the operational expertise, and the assets on the ground to be able to make that difference. OCI fits in our strategy. Our strategy is about making sure we provide clean hydrogen to other entities, processes which can be decarbonized, and of course, new markets. OCI is a great example of new markets, blue ammonia. We're going to invest $1.8 billion to make sure we provide blue hydrogen and nitrogen for OCI to go and make ammonia and sell it in the marketplace. Long-term contract, we're tied at the hip, if you will, and we make sure that we're actually investing to ensure the broader decarbonization happens in the U.S. Gulf Coast and elsewhere. But, of course, the asset base in the U.S. Gulf Coast means we have an inherent advantage and a leverage that we want to make sure goes into promoting blue hydrogen development in the U.S. Now, you also are instrumental. If you're going to open a semiconductor plant, Lindy's going to be there. Absolutely. Any top-tier player in the semiconductor space, we supply to them. Whether it's Samsung, it's TSMC, whether it's Intel, across the world, Jim, we are right at the heart of a semiconductor fab. I know there's lots of concerns around semiconductor. I want to tell you this. Our volumes going into semiconductors are at an all-time high. I saw that there were more than 20%. That was extraordinary. That's right. At right. the same time, people should recognize, this is why I say that you have such stickiness and you're not cyclical, carbonization in your soda. Indeed. If you want to pick up a Coke or a beer, we are right in there. And that's the reason you enjoy it. Well, now, you also are going to be one day, I think, the 
key to green hydrogen, which we know is the, once we can get costs down for electricity, you will be there, correct? Absolutely, Jim. So we are on a journey to green hydrogen. We have great technology around that, so we feel good about the technology. In my mind, it's about five to seven years away for scale-up. Right. And I think when that happens, we'll have a point of inflection where costs will be competitive. I don't want to be too nitty-gritty, but you had an event that I think threw some investors off with this delisting. Correct. Now it's going to be much cleaner. And I think that maybe you could just discuss that there was some confusion, but that confusion is going to be ended soon. It's simple, Jim. We were listed, dual listed in two exchanges, Frankfurt and, and, and New York. In Frankfurt, you know, essentially we were, we were hitting the cap every other day. The better you perform, the more you hit the cap, and we got sold down. No fundamentals That's involved. Index, Technical index selling. That's right. right. Index is selling it out. So essentially all we did was put a proposal through our board to the shareholders to say, you make the decision. 94% of shareholders voted to in favor of delisting. It's a clean listing, a New York Stock Exchange that ensures that everyone understands what's going on. There are no, there are, right. There's no arbitrage, and, and we have clear visibility to what you want well, to get What's done. interesting is it does matter. See, I think there are I people so. who are confused. I also think, look, my own view is that you've put through dividends. I know it's up to the board, a higher dividend in February, uh, historically. And I also know that uh, you have a tremendous buyback, but it's on pause because of this. People Correct. don't understand you've been a voracious buyer of your shares. We have. We think it's the best investment you can make, Jim. And, and dividend growth, you know, so we have our capital allocation philosophy is very simple. Maintain rating, grow dividend, invest in every high quality project, everything else that we generate in cash, share buybacks. And we are consistent in that. I expect to continue to do that. We are low on leverage. We have the ability to right. flex that muscle as well. Well, look, I think you're the state. I love industrials. But I love industrials that grow like this, not crazy. And you're the best at that in the entire world. I want to thank Sanjeev Lamba. He's the CEO of Lindy. I'm not kidding. Look, anyone who belongs to our club knows that this is our favorite industrial stock in the world. And money's back into the break. Coming up, after COVID, is there a gamer stock worth double tapping X for? Go boss level and beyond with Kramer next. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Are the video game stocks finally bottoming after spending last year in the post-COVID doghouse? Last night, we got results from two of the three major video game publishers, Activision Blizzard and Take-Two Interactive. Both their stocks rallied nicely in response, the former up more than 5%, the latter up nearly 8%. But when you check under the hood, Activision did a lot better than Take-Two, and the contrast between the two quarters can tell you a lot about the state of this industry. Why don't we take them one by one, starting with Activision, which, remember, is currently in the process of selling itself to Microsoft. Although yesterday morning, the New York Times published a piece about all the regulatory hurdles they'll have to clear before the deal can happen. Between a merger-unfriendly FTC and a much more stringent group of regulars in Britain, I tell you that I think there's a high chance the combination doesn't happen. That's what I said this morning on Squawk. That's why Activision's trading in the mid-70s, even though Microsoft's trying to buy it for $95 per share. But after the quarter we got last night, I frankly don't even care about this Microsoft acquisition anymore. Take it off the table. 
it's a nice kicker if they get regulatory approval. But even if they can't, Activision clearly firing on all cylinders. As a matter of fact, I think Microsoft's stealing it $95. Last night we learned that they earned $1.87 per share when the analysts were only looking for $1.52 on higher than expected sales. Bookies, free cash flow. Guidance was solid too, although management's not giving us as much clarity about the future because of that Microsoft deal. The strength here was broad based, though. The company has three divisions Activision, Blizzard, and King Digital for mobile gaming. And all three broke records this quarter. That's extraordinary. In, pop, in particular, their big blockbuster titles are practically printing money, like Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, which came out in October. Highest opening quarter sell through in franchise history. And by the way, this is a very old franchise. At the same time, King Digital had 9% net bookings growth. Driven Bites is still another great performance from Candy Crush, which is incredible because my wife plays it all the time, but she can't be responsible for this. The top grossing game franchise in the U.S. app stores for 22 straight quarters is Candy Crush. These mobile games don't get as much attention, but they're becoming cash receipts. The entire mobile business for them is putting up records. Not too long ago, Wall Street was convinced that gaming would be lost in the wilderness for ages because people don't want to stare at screens now that they're safe to go out again. I believe that thesis. I've told you that. And it's wrong. Activision's quarter proves it's wrong. Got to admit that you own when you're wrong. While video games got a huge boost during the worst phase of the pandemic, then struggled last year as the world went back to normal, that's mostly because the stocks got ahead of themselves. The gaming space didn't die, it just went back to its pre-pandemic trajectory. So it accelerated and then went back to its old growth rate. By the way, that old growth rate was pretty darn good. Just not as good as what the bulls were hoping for in 2021. They got carried away. Now how about take two? Ooh, very different story here. While their net bookings were up 60% year over year, thanks to the addition of Zynga, they bought Zynga, that's another mobile gaming business, that number was still weaker than expected. On the earnings front, they posted a three cent miss on a off an 89 cent basis. Definitely less than ideal, but not terrible. So how come I say Take-Two was a lot worse than Activision? It's because of the outlook. They're talking much lower than expected bookings and earnings for the current quarter. That's grim. And CEO Strauss and I painted a door picture. Listen to this, quote, we believe that consumers shifted their holiday spending toward established blockbuster franchises and titles that were offered with pricing promotions in light of macroeconomic conditions, end quote. You don't want to hear any CEO talk about macroeconomic conditions. That phrase doesn't come up when they think the economy's good. But what really matters is that they say blockbuster franchises are selling and other stuff's not getting the same kind of traction. In short, Activision's doing better than Take-Two because at least for the moment, they got better games. They had the new Call of Duty in October, Rares, Take-Twos, and a little launch desert at the moment, relying on its back catalog, the backlog. And this is just not enough for investors. At the same time, the other big difference between these two companies is their mobile divisions. King Digital for Activision and the newly acquired Zynga for Take-Two. At this point, it's pretty clear that King Digital's business is strong enough to overcome the weakness in digital advertising. If you don't know, many of these mobile games make their money selling ads. But if you got a platform like Candy Crush, something insanely popular, the downturn doesn't hitch as hard. On Take-Two's side, they've got Zynga. And Zynga just doesn't seem to be performing that well. Maybe they paid too much for this $12.7 billion business. The jury's still out. But it's worth seeing what Zelda can do with this unwieldy property because he can work his magic. How about the future? When it comes to Activision, the most important driver of the stock price is still that Microsoft deal. Although right now it's trading as though the deal won't happen. While CEO Bobby Kotick sounded optimistic this morning on Squawk, on Squawk I think waiting for Microsoft may end, for, end up feeling like kind of waiting for Godot. The regulators don't like it. 
Even if the Microsoft deal gets blocked, though, I like Activision. To me, it's worth owning right here. In fact, the deal gets blocked and the stock gets slammed. That could be just an amazing buying opportunity. They've got another potential blockbuster coming out this summer in the form of Diablo 4. And the strength of the mobile business lets them weather the gaps between major titles. That deal, mobile business is where the growth is. As for Take-Two, the most positive thing is that even though the quarter was worse and the guidance was much worse, the stock actually rallied more than Activision today. An anomaly? How do we explain it? Honestly, it doesn't make all that much sense to me. But my suspicion is that the buyers are looking through the present weakness and into the way future. What we learned from both Activision and Take-Two last night is that blockbuster, big blockbuster titles, they matter, especially sequels to major franchises. Take-Two doesn't have any huge new titles to compete right now, but at some point they will. This is the company behind two of the largest franchises in entertainment history, Grand Theft Auto, which is the largest, and Red Dead Redemption. Whenever they come out with a sequel, it's going to make a fortune. Of course, you have to take a bit of a leap of faith to believe that this is coming soon enough and that Take-Two can turn things around at Zynga. But if you can do these things, then you can bet on Take-Two. It, by the way, it, it was kind of a, a lot of humility here on this conference call. It's quite rare to see Zelnick be as bullish as he was on last night's conference call. He hardly ever goes out on such a positive limb. But, of course, he beat himself up pretty bad, and he sure doesn't want that happen again. You know what? I, I, I think it may be that. I think the fact that he was so bullish when he usually isn't, Maybe that got people going. Remember, we're now in a bull market that means companies will have a much easier time convincing Wall Street to give them the benefit of the doubt. The standard proves lower. Here's the bottom line. Only in earnings season can two companies in the same industry wildly diverge in quarters, and the stock of the companies with worst numbers rallies harder than the stock of the company with great numbers. I think Activision business is on fire here. I almost hope the Microsoft merger falls apart as soon as possible so that you'll get a better buying opportunity. As for take two, you have to believe. Yes, you have to believe in a turnaround to own this one. It might be a little early after this big run. I got an idea. Why don't we take phone calls? Let's go to Beth in Minnesota. Beth. Yeah. Hey, Beth, what's up? I'm just hanging out in Minnesota. Well, okay. Probably chilly there. Super Bowl five years ago, Beth. I know. We did well. All right. Well, not so well. So, My question is, with the rise of popularity in golf during COVID, what are your thoughts on Top Golf Callaway brands? I have to tell you, I've liked Top Golf for a long time. I think it's terrific. And I think that even though it just spiked, I think it can still go higher. That's how much I like it. And thank you for the call. Let's go to Yannick in New York. Yannick. A happy Super Bowl week. Booyah. Coming at you up the street from Lincoln Center, Mr. Kramer. You got that right. I can't wait to go. I'm actually even, you know, I'm so excited about it. I'm, I'm leaving Saturday morning to go there. What's up? All right. So I love the dividend, love the growth, but I'm concerned about losing Apple as a customer and some antitrust scrutiny from the Fed. Is it time to buy, sell, or hold Broadcom? I'm never going to tell you to, to sell Broadcom because I sold it for my travel trust after a huge run, and it was a mistake. Hawk Tan is one tough customer, and I think ABGO is still good even up here at 614. I talked about that with Jeff Marks. I said, darn it, why did we sell that? But that's what it should have could have, and you shouldn't play that game. I think Activision Blizzard's on fire right now. I do almost hope the Microsoft merger falls apart as soon as possible. Better buying up at Take Two, well, you got to believe in a real turnaround doing this one, but Strauss Dump was very bullish last night, maybe a little early. 
much more mad money at quitting my exclusive with Chipotle. Is it time to take a bite of the stock after people didn't like the earnings? I think that the people who are selling it might be wrong. They did report it well. Then the, the memesters, you know, the people who bid up Bed Bath & Beyond, they found themselves in the hot seat today with the stock tanking nearly 50%. What's the big takeaway from this GameStop-esque action? I'll give you my take. And you know what? I'm not really that nice in the, what I want to say. Also, your call is rapid fire. Tonight's just of the lightning round. So stay with Kramer. little confusion tonight. What do we make of the numbers from Chipotle? The company reported after the close, the results seem to be weaker than expected, pretty much on a lot of line items, same-store sales, total sales, earnings. But on the other hand, Chipotle's limited guidance for the current quarter was much more encouraging. They're talking about low double-digit same-store sales growth in January, high single digits for the full quarter. That's up from the 5.6% fourth quarter that is now already passed. Plus, don't forget they announced a new hiring campaign last week, bringing 15,000 more people for burrito season. New season to me, but that doesn't mean anything. It's not something a company does though when management lacks confidence in the future. While this stock's been a fantastic long-term winner, and we have been with it all the way, the quarter might be considered rocky by some. I'm inclined to stick with it, but let's take a closer look with Brian Nickel. He's the chairman and CEO of Chipotle Mexican Grill. Find out the story behind these results. Mr. Nickel, welcome back to Mad Money. Yeah, hey, Jim. Great to be here. Okay, so Brian, this is a market that really only cares about the future. Every single quarter that's been reported, we're not looking at the past. We're just saying, what are you guys thinking about the future? And when I look at what you're doing uh, in the month of January with double digits, I'm saying maybe that's the most important takeaway from this entire quarter. Yeah, look, we're really excited about the results we uh, saw in January. Um, One of the most important things underneath that is the return to transaction growth for us, um, which we think is really you know, a great sign. Uh, we did have some transaction softness in the fourth quarter, which some of that was driven by uh, our rollover. And then obviously we made a decision not to uh, go aggressive on discounting and chasing some of the lower income consumers that we know have been uh, you know, challenged over the last, let's call it last year, really. Well, was the cadence good over the quarter? I mean, was December strong? You know what, December, uh, December was, I would say December was mild in our opinion. We were, we were hoping for a little better December. Uh, but what we actually saw was as we exited December, things picked up. And then that continued into January. The thing that we were optimistic about as the quarter went on, kind of every month our transactions continued to improve. And then they really um, you know, accelerated as we exited December, entered January. And you know, this is, I think, a combination of things. We've been working really hard to get our operational fundamentals back in place and really eliminate all the workarounds that we permitted during really the pandemic and some of the staffing challenges that we had in the past to get back to executing Chipotle standards. And I think we're starting to see the benefits of that uh, show up in our January numbers. It's very clear that almost every input that you have actually went down. I mean, you actually have some disinflation here to coat quote Chairman Powell, and if transactions go up, that to me means this could be the beginning of a rather explosive 2023. Well, look, you know, we're very optimistic in our company, uh, both our employees that are working in the restaurants, the culinary that we provide, and then the economics that come out of that for our shareholders. Um, So we love what we saw in January. Uh, The trick for us is to stay focused on executing the basics, 
provide people great experiences. We know they come back. We know they love our food. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really good about where we are right now. Right, so we took out, of course, from Chipotle, as we always do when we see you. Admittedly, the prices have gone higher. Uh, you said the lower-income consumers been uh, not really, well, let's just say these are higher prices for the low-income consumer. But you're getting uh, great stickiness, right? I mean, they're just people who really don't have much uh, pricing. They're not really worried about pricing. They just eat at Chipotle no matter what. Yeah, look, I, I think what we've seen in the data and with our customers is uh, our higher income consumers, so consumers earning over $100,000, they've actually increased their visits. Uh, consumers are earning less than 75000 We have seen a little bit of a slowdown in frequency. Um, but more importantly, the resistance to the pricing that we've taken, we've seen very little show up uh, in our business. Obviously, we reset our delivery business throughout the course of 2022. I think we're now at the right economics so that that can be an ongoing proposition. And I thought it was important to get that reset so that it was set up for success going forward. I think it shouldn't be a drag on the business. It should be an occasion that if people want access, it comes with a premium, but the economics need to support the access mode. I totally agree. Now, uh, I also don't think you'd be looking for 15,000 people. Now, this is a new season for me, burrito season. I'm used to, you know, you know, winter, fall, summer, uh, autumn, those kinds of you know, summer, the spring. I mean, how'd you come up with this one? Well, look, it's just a natural occurrence as kind of winter starts to, you know, go go in the rearview mirror. More and more people are out and about. And uh, luckily, part of being out and about is uh, visiting Chipotle. So we start to see week to week uh, ramp up in what we call the burrito season. And it really is a mantra for us to make sure that the restaurants are staffed and we're ready to go. And uh, look, one of the things that was really exciting to see in December is we were at probably our best turnover numbers that we've seen in about two years. Our staffing levels were the best they've been in over two years. Uh, so we feel really good about where we are. We're opening uh, you know, a lot of restaurants. We're planning on opening 250 to 280 restaurants this year. So we want to make sure we're staffed for burrito season. We also want to make sure we're staffed so that we can develop people to move into these new restaurants and these new field leadership positions. Well, I heard Chairman Powell say, really, we just have five million more jobs than people. How can a chain like Chipotle find 15,000 more? You know, look, I think it's it's two things. One, it's our purpose around food with integrity, cultivating a better world, and then it's growth. Uh, when you put those two things together, I think people love being a part of our company uh, and they love, you know, experiencing culinary done a different way and giving customers the food and the experiences that they want. And then personally, they can grow with our organization, Jim. You know, I'm, I'm really happy to say the last couple of folks that we promoted to our regional vice president, which this is an individual that oversees three, 400 restaurants, you know, they started out in the grill position and they've been with the company 10, 15 years. Um, and, you know, it, there's nothing more exciting. You know this when you get to promote people internally and they've worked hard for your company, they've demonstrated the values. And there's nothing better than celebrating a promotion. And especially when they get to kind of one of the highest levels in the organization that they've grown up in. It's really it's really special. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm nodding at my executive producer, Regina Gilgan. We talk about this every day. That's how you create culture. And culture means that it's not hard to find great people. They want to work for you. Brian, you know that I think the future is far brighter for you guys than pretty much everybody else in your industry. And thank you for choosing Mad Money to come on the show. It's great to see you. Yeah, great to be with you. And uh, as always, Jim, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Excellent. That's Brian Nichol, Chairman and CEO of Chipotle. Do not be confused. The quarter that's coming is much stronger than the one that just finished. Man Money's Packet. Good break. 
Coming up, Kramer takes her calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Keep that time for the lightning round. Let's start with Bob in Ohio. Bob. Hey, Daddy. How's it going? Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Bob. How's it going? Man, could be better. Thank you for asking. What's happening? Hey, thanks for everything you do, and thanks, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Hey, uh, my stock has uh, just hit a new all-time high last week. And I'm looking to accumulate more when it comes down. What do you think of Parker Hannifin, PH? Parker Hannifin had a remarkable quarter. It's just the kind of industrial I've been recommending. I think you buy it and don't even have to wait for it to go down. I would buy it here. Let's go to Amber in Florida. Amber. Hey, Jim. How you doing? Um, I'm doing fine. Um, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. Um, just I Good. wanted to know about waste management. Everyone thought that quarter was not that great and was telling me to buy Republic Services, that that's the one that acts better right now. RSG, that's what I would pick. Now I'm going to Mark in California. Mark! Buddha, Jim, from Marin County, California, just over the Golden Gate Bridge. So Um, beautiful. I love it there. I love it there. What's going on? Well, I was sitting in my hot tub and, you know, drinking a bottle of red just sobbing over the stock I purchased. I, I bought 400 shares. It went down, so I bought 400 more, averaging 120 a share at, on ConocoPhillips. And what should I do with it? Buy more? You're fine, it? man. You're fine. If that thing is like a fine Merlot, buy, my buy, friend. Buy. I would buy all you can right here. Let's go to Sam in Maryland. Sam! Thanks for taking my call, Jim. What's your take on Snowflake? Would you invest it for the long term? Well, as as the wonderful Frank Slootman said on our show, the forecast is the forecast. I like Snowflake. I will go with Slootman. He is a money maker. Let's go to Robert in South Carolina. Robert. Jim, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Question. Question. Z Scaler. All right, Jay Shortry's a money maker. The stock is all the way down. It can bounce. Ford never reported an amazing quarter tonight. People take that stock up again, maybe for three days, and then you might have to skedaddle. But all these stocks are coming back right now. Hey, let's go to Sam in Colorado. Sam. Jim, listen, I know healthcare has been one of the hottest trades the past year on Wall Street. So my question is about one of the world class, one of the leading genomic sequencing companies out there. Uh, they reported today it's talking about Illumina. Yeah, they missed again. I mean, look, if you're going to be in that business, there's only two. There's Thermo Fisher and there's Kramer, Fave, Danaher, although I like Thermo Fisher too. But Danaher is owned by the Chapel Trust. That will be pulled down by Illumina tomorrow. And when it happens, now let's go to Michelle in New York. Michelle. Hi, Jim. It's Michelle from Texas. Oh, fantastic. What's happening? Oh, nothing much. Just survived the huge winter storm that came through. Excellent. Jim, my question today is about Sunoco. S-U-N. Look, I like the limited partnerships, but you know what? I am going to send you uh, to, I would rather see you in, oh my God, I'm going to recommend it. I can't believe I'm going to recommend it. E.T. Yes, energy transfer, which is got, I've got religion about, which is really rather extraordinary because it's got 9.4% yield better than yours. Let's go to John and Michigan. John! 
Hey, Jim, love the show. I got a oh, stock that just got approved for an MS drug, TGTX. All right, this is Mike Weiss. I always believed in him. I had on the show. Mike, come on the show. I think that you've got a winner, and I need to hear it from you because we did suffer through the bad days. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, managements have gotten wise to the mob of meme speculators. Recent cautionary tales of companies that outflank the barbarians. Next. The meme stock contingent finally met their match. That's all I could think when I saw the foundering desperate Bed Bath Beyond had drilled the moron memesters who bid their stock up, hoping to create another GameStop or AMC. Those two tortured winners from a halcyon era that ended a long time ago. For once, a company was ready for these jackals when they passed. After being refreshingly transparent, acknowledging they might have to file for bankruptcy, drive their stock down to a bucket change, the meme maniacs, meme maniacs drove Bed Bath stock up to $7 in a frenzy of ridiculous trading. Did you know that yesterday the trading volume in this name was more than double the total number of shares? A sure sign that the memes were trying to corner the market in order to bust the short sellers who didn't really exist. But the self-proclaimed apes ran into a brick wall when Bed Bath did something smart. Although this company is completely inept at selling sheets and towels, they turned out to have a real talent for selling warrants and convertible preferred stock to institutions on the backs of these little guys who thought they knew better. Unlike the other meme stock targets, Bed Bath Management was ready and willing to create a bunch of new equity and annihilate the naive know-it-alls who never imagined that a new source of supply, $1 billion worth of securities, could possibly come raining down on their heads. Hence, the stock's obliteration today, down almost 49%. The deal could be tremendous for a quick trade, but not for the memesters. The convertible preferred shares and warrants are too far too sophisticated for those guys. They'll most likely be crushed by them because the smart trader can buy the converts and warrants, then flip the convert and have the ultimate short position that's protected by the warrants. Maybe that's why the stock almost fell in half. So you know what it is? It's a perfect pincer move. Bed Bath gets its capital to stave off bankruptcy. The short sellers can use the warrants to protect themselves from the meme traders while they bet that the common stock's headed lower. The memesters, they just get crushed. You know, you really get this kind of, rarely, rarely get this kind of opportunity. Bed Bath only had the chance to do this because these jokers are ready to be self-immolated by their own greed and stupidity. Historically speaking, bidding up potentially bankrupt companies is not a smart way to make money. Now that CEOs have gotten wise and used to the meme stock crowd, they're prepared to fully take advantage of their moron style. From looking at the documents, Bed Bath was obviously ready for this vicious roundhouse, something the memesters would never have known if they ever read documents. It's been a tough time for these fools. They bought shares in Nordstrom, another loser outfit, because their great champion, Ryan Cohen, took a position in the stock, then got bid up about 25% on Friday when his pipe piper got his flock going. Now Nordstrom stock's experiencing a sickening slide lower, obliterating all the buyers, and it's not done. Who knows if Ryan Cohen will do the same thing for Nordstrom that he did for Bed Bath & Beyond, buy it, gun it, and liquidate it. Yeah, it's the old BGL game, right to the flowers keisters. There's another connection here. Cohen despises Bed Bath's former CEO, Mark Tritton, who happens to be on Nordstrom's board of directors. Cohen's now calling for me removed. I call that spite investing. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm all in favor of speculating. 
But I'm begging you to do it wisely. Don't go anywhere near a company that's on the verge of bankruptcy. They'll just take you to the cleaners. They'll want hour martinize you if you give them a chance. Don't go after a full-line retailer when it keeps missing the numbers. Both are sucker plays. I hope these so-called apes can go back to playing Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto, probably Candy Crush, rather than trading stocks like it's a game and letting management teams crush them with warrants and convertible preferred shares. Not that they know what that is. Maybe they should just bet on Travis Kelsey to catch the ball seven times on a terrific payoff on DraftKings. There are easier ways to gamble if you want to gamble. But this meme stock racket, time to throw in the towel. The people who run these companies see you now as easy marks, and they'll absolutely take advantage of you if you give them a chance. You know what they're going to do? They're going to slice off your diamond hands and place them in cubic zirconia. (laughs) All I can say is move on. The establishment got wise to you. Nice try. It was hilarious while it lasted. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.